Hi, I'm Graham Lasso, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Repeat with Chris, Craig, and Brady. Welcome to the Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Repeat pod. The headline this week, Liverpool strike late to win the Carabao Cup. Today I'm joined by my brother Craig and some special guests, friends of the pod and long-time Liverpool fans. Uh, Jack and Jamie Elwood have returned. Um, how are you feeling after that Carabao Cup win, guys? So you uh, hopefully celebrated slightly differently to what I saw Simi Cass and Van Dijk up to after the goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite the same, but yeah, pretty over the moon, really. Especially considering, you know, everything in the lead up with injuries and stuff and how the game panned out. It was, yeah, delighted with it. Number 10. Yeah, um, glad to be back. Thanks for having us back. To be called a friend of the pod, that's uh, yeah, high praise indeed. An honour, um, I might say. An honour, you might say, yeah. Um, no, I was I was really pleased with this one. It's probably something to do with it being Klopp's final season and stuff. And obviously, we'll we'll get into it more. But the way the way the game panned out with like the kids, all the kids at the end, and that type of thing, Klopp's final season, it did it did feel like a little bit more special, despite the fact it was you know it is the Carabao Cup at the end of the day. But yeah, really pleased with it. Craig, you were there with me. In the stands, great seats. Uh, the view wasn't great at the end, though, as we walked out. How are you feeling? Yeah, obviously absolutely gutted um, at the result. The The way the game panned out as well, I, I sort of felt like we were going to win it at, at one point as well. And just, uh, yeah, really, really gutted and disappointed. I guess we'll unpack it now. Yeah, let's talk about the, the game. Obviously, um, it finished nil-nil in normal time. Um with Chelsea having slightly better of the chances, I guess, towards the end with 2.14 XG versus 1.35 for Liverpool. Um, and then extra time saw Liverpool get the win um, where, yeah, I think they had slightly better XG um, than as an extra time. They had uh, 0.46, whereas Chelsea only managed 0.24. Um it was a game where Liverpool had more of the ball, 54% possession. Um, Chelsea had nine shots on target out of 19. Liverpool 11 on target out of 24. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a game that was kind of edge of your seat, really, for the most part. Um, how did you see it, Craig? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the, the analysis on finals comes down to who gets the result and who gets the win at the end of the day, doesn't it? I think... Uh, I'm going to sort of be on the other side of things, I think, with Chelsea, where I actually thought we played really well in 90 minutes, especially second half. I thought we, you know, we were really um, strong, especially in an attacking sense, you know, created a lot of chances, five big chances in the game, which is really hard to do against Liverpool. Liverpool have the second best defence in the in the Premier League, only behind Arsenal, you know, only conceded 25 goals, Arsenal conceded 23, so... You know, and that was basically their first team defence out there. Robertson, Van Dijk, Kanyate and um, Bradley, I think, you know, it's probably a better defender than Trent, you know, even though he's not first string defender. So I think against that defence, creating five big chances and, 
you know, two and a half XG almost in, in the games. It's pretty decent. And yeah, I'm, like a lot of the games against Liverpool recently in the finals, especially just haven't been able to score those goals, hit the post or, you know, it's not bounced our way off Palmer at the at the end of the second half there or, you know, just a lot of situations that, that you need you need that bit of luck as well. And yeah, sort of alluded as again to on uh, on Sunday. How do you see it from the Liverpool side? I'll start with you, Jamie. Well, yeah, I I agree with what a lot of Craig said there. Like you, you, you are so unlucky versus us in finals. Mm-hmm. Really, um, we, I mean, smash and grabs like too probably too strong a turn of phrase, but like we we didn't look very likely to score the longer the game went on. Um, obviously, it needed a set piece in the end, and I think what you touched on there about how how many chances you created against us that is impressive because despite all the injuries when you actually review our lineup like we were still defensively really sound like as you said the back four is pretty first choice i i do i rate connor bradley so highly a lot of people outside of liverpool may not kind of realize how good he is but he is not really much of a downgrade at all especially defensively on trent um and the same goes for like Kelleher obviously is a little bit of a downgrade on Allison, but he's he is really good. Klopp always kind of calls him the best number two in the world. Um, he made some fantastic saves in this game. Oh yeah, he's a great shot stopper. Like I think what he lacks compared to Allison is obviously like the distribution and maybe a bit of like commanding. But as a shot stopper, he's he's great. And then our our midfield is like over the Klopp era, our, our midfield is what it is. It's like quite workmanlike. It's it recycles the ball. So like even even though we have you know Sobosly injured, like we're still pretty similar in midfield. Up front was the problem, um, but yeah. yeah, but you still you still manage to create big chances versus us. So you were you were really unlucky. I kind of just agree with what's been said so far. Um, it was a really entertaining game. It was I mean I couldn't believe it. Finished nil nil ninety minutes. Um, yeah, both teams had good chances. I did. The longer it went on, I thought you were getting more into it. Um, we were very lucky. All your best chances fell to you know Gallagher. Well, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe you haven't got any good finishes, but the offside was obviously really tight. And then, yeah, once we brought the three kids on in whatever it was 80 something minute I just I, I didn't think it was going to go as well as it did I thought I was I thought you would just grow more into the game with the experience um, but obviously it just went the other way and uh, yeah maybe it was just uh, the just the legs you just need freshen up it doesn't matter about experience you didn't Chelsea didn't I don't know if you didn't have anything or you didn't or Poch didn't want to make a change in midfield, but I, I mean, we did, definitely we didn't have the subs with any experience on on the yeah, bench. Obviously, obviously Liverpool, we, Liverpool we didn't, didn't have any with an experience either. Yeah. So have you just not included any? Yeah, I, there was a guy called Billy G who I actually am not familiar with. I, I do know quite a lot of Chelsea's youth players, but I don't know him. He's eighteen. Um, but I think Cassidy. So, no, he didn't come on, but he was a midfielder that was on the bench that didn't get used. He was the only midfielder that was on the bench. Obviously, we were missing Lavia, Ugachukwu, and Cassidy was cup-tied. He played for Leicester. So those are our three other midfielders that are at the club, apart from Gallagher, 
um, Enzo and, and Caicedo is six in total. Um, so, you know, I think when he brought Madueke on, he played him as a, a 10, basically, and kept Caicedo and Enzo on. But I totally agree that the legs in the team were, were, were missing an extra time. We, we looked so, so tired, especially in the second half of extra time. Yeah, you did. I mean, we we looked tired as well. We we really didn't look like scoring an extra time. I didn't think like I was. I it was just concerned. a bit of nothing. Well, yeah, because when we, when we have a forward forward line as we did, I mean, I think I seem to remember in the last time I was on the podcast, I'm sure I slagged off Harvey Elliott. Yeah, he's been all right, Elliott. He's been yeah. really good, really good in the last he's couple probably, of months. Yeah. I feel I obviously do him an injustice to an extent. But I always feel that when I see him in the front three, I just don't I don't get excited and I don't feel like like when he's on the ball, you you know he's got he hasn't really got a turn of pace. He can't he's not dynamic like Seller, so he's not a mm. threat. He does create and he does hold the ball well a little bit like you know kind of how like Grealish does for Man City, but you know with him and Luis Diaz on the other side. It's dynamic, but of late, his, his decision-making has been a bit of a headless chicken. And, and then you've got Gakpo, who I like, but, you know, a little bit hit and miss. So He, he yeah. had a pretty average game, Gakpo, didn't he, really? He's had an average season, really. Considering, yeah. you know, I think me and Jamie both said on the pre-season pod, we really thought he would kick on. and Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he, he thought we thought that he was going to play a bit of eight, didn't we? Uh, like in the season, and yeah, then he did play a lot of that in pre-season, and then obviously, like maybe more signings or Curtis Jones playing better than playing really well. But yeah, so where where, where I was going with that is because I felt like we'd absolutely run out of steam, didn't have much of a threat. Maybe it was a chance for Chelsea to like absolutely go for the jugular a bit. Yeah. Um, but a well, you didn't, and I don't know whether it was. You know, fatigue as the game went on, or a bit of a lack of confidence in doing that because it's not exactly like you've been pulling up trees in the league. So maybe it's hard for to suddenly just, you know, step it up and just go pretty gung ho because you you you're a more senior team on the pitch. It's probably hard to do that in game. Yeah, yeah. I think there was something to be said about sort of our approach generally um, to the game. I think you know. Thinking of, we got obviously Liverpool play midweek as well. Um, thinking we're going to start, I thought we'd start the game a lot stronger, um, but we looked super nervous. Um, started really poorly. I thought first half we only had three shots. Um, definitely overall, I think the game lacked a lot of quality. It wasn't um, as a spectacle, I don't think. Obviously, when you're there and you're watching it, you're, you kind of forget about it because you're always, you know, the ball's going, it was almost like a basketball match at times, but um, it lacked a lot of quality, I think. I think if any of the teams had decided to sort of really turn it on and play a bit more fluid and get their passing game going, I think the game was there to be won for anyone. And I think Chelsea lacked, for me, lacked a lot of conviction to really try and do that. And I think, you know, that's evident, obviously, what happened in extra time, where, like you said, it's kind of a culmination of seven months, really, of being inconsistent um you know a lot of the people on the pitch have played quite a lot of minutes this year and the fruits of our labor of that seven months are it just wasn't it was just okay and it wasn't great i think we the i think Chris, you're, to... you're probably more down on the game obviously you you were very critical about 
the game in general, you thought it was a really poor setup and tactically. Yeah, I just don't like Gallagher playing. You know, the chances fell to Gallagher, and you might think, oh, well, Gallagher should be taking them. Gallagher shouldn't really be anywhere near that position to be taking them. I don't think he's been a great player this season in that position. You've got Nkunku sat on the bench. I think he looks like a, a better finisher. And, you know, in an, in a different world, maybe the ball falls to Nkunku in those areas and he puts it away and people are thinking it's a stroke of genius. But, you know, and if you that... want to play defensive midfielders in attacking positions, which Gallagher has succeeded in this season, and that's where he got into the team by playing in a six. It's not the way he played again for Crystal Palace, right? Exactly. No, no, but, you it's... know, different teams, different styles, isn't it? It's an in, it's an interesting point though because you say you were disappointed with the setup, but in some ways the setup was good in how you kind of cut us open at, at various points in the game. So is yeah. it is it a personnel problem? If you have the same setup but you replace Gallagher with someone who's a bit more all round who could finish, then you know we'd, you'd potentially say the setup was great. Yeah, I mean you lose. The thing is, obviously Gallagher is one of the elite pressing midfielders in world football so you you're finding a player that obviously has that but also is a really good finisher i mean you're looking at then you're probably describing one of the best players in the world you know so i think it's it is hard to find that in a midfielder that has absolutely everything but yeah i think like you alluded to i think the off the ball stuff you know the way we were set up was a did a really good job of preventing liverpool from creating any big chances they only had one big chance in the game I mean, that fell to Bradley, I guess. Is that what they attributed it to? Um, that chance that got blocked by Colwell. Um, but it, we did a really good job of limiting Liverpool defensively to, even though they had ball in dangerous areas a lot, they didn't really create any any big chances in the game. Whereas, yeah, like you said, we, we managed to create five huge opportunities in the game, um, which, you know, on another day, yeah, could have gone our way. Well, let's um, let's have a chat about the players. Let's uh, move on to some temperatures. Time to see whose form's on top, who's heating up, whose temperatures dropped, who's been playing well and who's not. It's freezing, warming up, boiling hot. Right. So I think Craig. We'll we'll start on the freezer side with Chelsea because obviously they lost the game um, in the end. Uh, who have you got for his freezer? I'm going to go with Raheem Sterling. Who, who have you got? I've gone for ice cold freezing Palmer. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I'm I'm going to go Sterling. I'm going to go. Well, I got two freezers. One is a player, and one is is something else, which I'll talk about afterwards, I guess. But let's talk about Sterling quickly first. You know, I think. The most experienced player for us on the on the pitch, twenty nine years old. Um, you know, Wembley. He said he he put in his Instagram story, "That's my ready to go home this weekend and play a final." You know, obviously done really well there for England um, in the Euros, etc. And you know, this was a huge, huge game for him to to really um, to kick us on and and show a leadership role. Maybe not vocally, but you know, on the pitch at least, and uh, he was a really disappointing game for him. Only played 67 minutes and then got sub, which I thought was a, a, a mistake from Posh. But, you know, regardless, he, he played 67 minutes and he was really poor when he was on the pitch, Raheem Sterling. A couple of really good moments where he miscontrolled the ball, which was like pretty decent opportunities, to be honest, where they got in behind Liverpool. 
Um, one clear one, which ended up being the chance for Palmer, which he, he miscontrolled, which if he'd taken a really good first touch, he would have been in. Um, you know, we've seen that link up with him and Jackson be really good this season at points, and then games like this where it's just not been there at all. And uh, yeah, I just was really disappointed overall. You know, I, I, I sort of think with Sterling as well, with the fan base, this was a real opportunity for him. If he got the winner or scored a brace or something and we won the League Cup, I think a lot of fans would have, uh, he could have turned the corner with them a bit and then got them really on side with him and, you know, showed up in big moment and just disappointed that A, he didn't play very well and B, only got 67 minutes to, to show for it and he got subbed for uh, for Nkunku, yeah, so really, really disappointing. Yeah, I thought Sterling, I feel sorry for Sterling. I feel sorry for a lot of people who play on that left wing because a lot of Chelsea's play goes down the right, um, which was weird because Robertson was playing on the left and I thought, you know, Good, good game to attack uh, Bradley and I don't think Harvey Elliott's particularly strong at getting back defensively in that right wing position. So, yeah, it was a surprise that they kind of all the people who played left wing I thought were just particularly poor and he he didn't have a good game. Sterling, I mean, five point seven on Fotmob in a final is maybe unforgivable. Um, to be honest with you, I think he had no ground jewels, one out of six. No successful. I mean, that's why he was really disappointed. Was he's not competitive off the ball either. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just think the the game could have, you know he could have done with the game going down left because there were some okay moments down the left when it did go down there, but everything just goes down through Palmer and Gusto, and it's kind of not much going on really. <laughs> so yeah, but what, what do you him. guys make of Raheem Sterling? Like, what, what do you think when you when you hear about him at Chelsea and you you think of him overall as a player? Now he's twenty nine. Where do you think his career is and where's it going? I mean, it's hard to say. He's been stop bit stop start at Chelsea, but in general, I've been a, a huge fan of of Sterling. I think as well. He, I wasn't a keep when he was at us. I wasn't like didn't think he was going to be amazing, but I think Pep turned him into. Without a doubt, a world-class player, and for England, I always thought he's been one of, you know, England's best players in all the major tournaments. So, I thought it was a great signing for you. I th- didn't think he was, you know, on too far past his best, and he still shows glimpses. But yeah, I mean, he's had some really good games for us this season. Yeah, as well. it's inconsistent, but it's hard to judge him too much because I mean, well, yeah, Chelsea seems inconsistent. So he's playing. So, he's I, playing in a team that isn't great. And I think I'm sure. I feel like I can remember a point in the final where he was someone was running centrally and he was kind of in on the left. Yeah, it was someone Enzo. Didn't I think that didn't pa- no, yeah. was, it, was it who didn't pass him the ball there? Someone, someone didn't pass him the ball, and I just looked. I looked at him and I thought, and he was looking at whoever didn't pass him the ball. And I bet he was just thinking, like, where's Kevin De Bruyne? If I, if I was at City, <laughs> I'd be in there. I'd have a tackle. Oh, I'd yeah. be getting a goal or an assist, hundred percent. And he must have thought, "Why, why am I not getting past the ball here?" <laughs> that, that, I think that was a ridiculous one, though. I couldn't believe he didn't pass the ball to him. I, I, do you remember who that was, Chris? And it was en- it was Enzo, yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. I think that says a more to me about like again the manager, the setup, the the structure of the team and how we play. It's just, you it's think that there. says something about the manager at that, that well, moment? I just think that when in those positions, people are always picking the wrong thing and they have done all season. They don't seem to know, you know, when the ball's moving across to look for the extra man on like the far side, they're, they're always looking the wrong way. And I feel like 
I'd they be disappointed to... if I saw that under tens. I think. Yeah, that that comes down to the player. Well, you don't. Well, the manager doesn't need to tell you to do that. No, yeah, I mean, but I think it's, it's you know, it's, I think what... it's just knowing where to where to you know if the ball's coming from the right and you know we're getting overloads on one side on the other pitch. I don't know if they're they're doing that in training. It's just it should just be fluid. You know, we, no, that should be played first time almost. There's no, there's no indecisiveness. Because while, while, while we're on the subject, it wasn't even Enzo's worst decision of the game. Does anyone know? Can anyone remember his... Yeah, he tried worst? to back-heel it when I think... Back-heel it. Yeah. When oh. all he has to do is tee it up for Palmer to ping it into the corner, like, six yards out, and he tries the back-heel. That was, that was the worst decision. What's yeah. he thinking? And he Enzo actually probably... Enzo lucky to escape the freezer, really, actually. Yeah. I know Chris is going to talk about Palmer in, in a second, but... I think Enzo probably unlucky to escape or lucky to escape the freezer for us oh, because some, some really poor stuff from him in this game. I, yeah. I say they're not lucky as well. I no, I, I thought he was know. quite good actually. I thought, he was really poor. I thought Caicedo had an all right game. The thing about Caicedo is we, we ask him to do a lot. He's asked to cover a lot of ground for us with the way we set up sometimes. He, he's asked to receive the ball in some really hard situations. And I think, you know, there was moments where he gave the ball away in this game, but it's almost moments where when you reevaluate, you look at the the tape. It's like he's it's a tough spot. You know, you you're getting a fierce press, and you're you're you know there's no or lacking options around you. And yeah, I think a lot of the stuff that he's asked to do for us, basically under pressure, makes him look bad occasionally. Yeah, okay. he had to do it for 120 minutes as well, I suppose. Um, I also yeah. think he's. I don't think he's playing in the right position. I don't think he's a DM. And Enzo for me isn't in the right area either because he's Enzo. Yeah, it just isn't like it just doesn't look right. Like when I watch Caicedo play, I think he's actually really effective at the top end of the pitch, and I thought that when he played for Brighton. Um, but he spends his time sort of stuck at the back. Um, but there were some really good moves by Chelsea in the second half, and he actually created quite a lot of those. From some really good passing from central midfield into like the wide areas and over the top, so it, it kind of goes under the radar. I think that kind of stuff because sometimes he just loses the ball and people sort of focus on that. I think. Do you um, want to talk about uh, Palmer, Chris? Yeah, Palmer. I just think he he just had a game to forget. He's just constantly giving the ball away. I watched the game back and it was painful watching him. Actually, um, he tries really hard, Palmer, and I think he's had a really good season. But last couple of months, actually, I think he's been. Uh, he said been quite up and down. Unfortunately, I thought he had a quite a down game, and lots of his passes went the wrong way. He wasn't looking in the right areas for a lot of the the passes. At one point, you know, he's he tried to put a cross in for Sterling. Um, I just I just don't know what's going through his head, and he just kicks it the goal, like overhits it to the goalkeeper. I mean, like, I just don't think that's our game, and a lot of his passes just weren't weren't good enough, and that was going to make the big difference for us, and. If he was on it, we probably would have won. What, what, what do you think yeah. of Palmer's game? Just just this game, what, what did you guys think? Well, I, I, think I was just about to ask. Sorry, you go on, Jack. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just uh, watching him more like on reputation and watching, obviously, as a Liverpool fan, it was, he was the one player when picks it up in the, you know, in our half that, you, that I'm scared might do something. Yeah. But maybe, maybe I'm just... Based on that and reputation, how no. good he's been in this season. What, what do you think, Jamie? Before I say, say what I was going to say, well, I was going to ask you how, because from an outsider's view, not having you know, I don't watch every game, every Chelsea game, ninety minutes, but I, I would have thought 
he might be the kind of guy who would who would struggle a bit more against the better teams and do well against the lesser teams just because he's well, I don't know he's he's going to get on the ball a lot less against the better teams. He's not. It doesn't seem like. No, a, I, I don't. I don't think so. Just not really affect his performance. Who he's playing. I, I think. Well, he. One thing about him is his pressing is really really good. So obviously against the better teams that looks good as well. You know, against a lot of teams that we play, you know, you don't really get even the opportunity to press that much. You know, the we played Palace recently and Wolves and, you know, these games, they're, they're just not, you know, really trying to play out from the back that much or whatever. So his value as well as, as him and Gallagher, both incredible pressers and that, that top right-hand side of the pitch for us looks really, really strong against good teams and that's really as a consequence of them. But also because in these situations where teams play high lines. Um, Chris talks a lot uh, earlier about our play f- uh, focusing down the right a lot. That's because it ends up with Palmer and Sterling and Jackson make runs in behind. And obviously you saw that exactly for our disallowed goal where Palmer picks up the ball, makes a really nice pass to Jackson with the outside of his foot, then quickly across to Sterling for the goal. Um, and obviously ends up being like a centimetre offside uh, again. But the you know that is why a lot of our play goes down the right because Gusto, Caicedo and Palmer and then Gallagher comes over there as well and they, they link up really, really well. And that right side's really, really strong for us. And yeah, I, just to come back as well on Chris's point about Palmer being in the freezer, I wouldn't have even put him in our bottom three worst players. I, I, I think that he looked really dangerous in the game. I think, yeah, that moment that Jamie talked about where Enzo you know, could have put it on a plate for him, I thought the chance that he missed wasn't horrific finish from him you know i think it was just a great save from Kello diving to his right um and you know on another day i think palmer has two goals and you probably think you know what a fantastic game he played he also obviously the gallagher hitting the post that was his assist as well um gallagher should have scored you know when he when he did that unfortunately there isn't another day that is the game sorry but um also sorry uh, gallagher's one-on-one that was his pass as well right so yeah, both yeah. the assists for Gallagher yeah. chances were, were with him. So I, I just think that you're absolutely right when you first said that, Jack. Was it Jack that said that, you know, when he is on the ball, he's our most dangerous player, I think. Um, and yeah, that's who you, I think opposing teams, they're trying to keep him off the ball, basically. Uh, next, Oh, actually, sorry, before we do warm me up, let me just talk about my other freezer, actually. My other freezer is Sky and their coverage of this Liverpool farewell tour like absolute garbage. I've had enough of it already. Like, I, just say his name, Carragher. You want to put in the freezer? I know all of them. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't hack it. I, I. What I know from now on is like obviously we've got three months left of the of football. Is that I? I can't tune into any of the any of the Liverpool games. Anything surrounding that moment, like the eight games you've got left at Anfield. I'm not going to watch any of them. I'm not. I just can't handle it. Like I just. I don't want to watch. You know the history of Klopp or whatever. I I absolutely respect Jurgen Klopp and and I think he's a fantastic manager. And I've often said I would rather have him as our manager than uh, Guardiola. You know, if we had to start the season, so that's praise in itself. You know, saying that you know I, he's a better, a more enjoyable manager to have, I think, than than Guardiola. Um, and he's incredible at his job. But I just can't that that. You know what? Everything that's got blown out of proportion after this game about the kids coming on, and you know these guys that came on, these three guys, they were rubbish. You know, Liverpool were not that good in extra time. And like, (laughs) I'm not very harsh. Everything that's gone blown up about this game, uh, you know, Chelsea could have easily nicked this game one nil, 
and we um, thankfully we would have avoided all this like narrative after the game. But unfortunately, mm. they popped up with a corner goal at the end of the game, and we've got to listen to all this. So that's my little rant, mini rant freezer for Sky and their awful coverage. Jamie Redknapp actually is the other one that needs to go in the freezer as well. Unbearable. One of the guys, you, these, these rubbish kids that came on, one of them, Bobby Clark, my... Uh, my wife used to teach when he was in like year six. She used to teach him, and he said he was like, "We just never do anything," and it was like a bit of a dickhead because he was just like, "Oh, well, I'm going to be a pro footballer." <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm playing for Liverpool, so yeah. I don't... And he was he was right, so yeah, he got respected really. <laughs> now he's got a Carabao Cup medal. Yeah, now he's got a Carabao Cup medal. What she what she ever done? <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> Right, do we have any warming up for on the Liverpool side? I was, I'm going to go Endo. Ooh. Endo yeah, that's, yeah. A good, that's a good shout. And I'm going to go His partner in midfield, McAllister. Yeah, he was the other one I'd written down, actually. But yeah, just um, it's kind of based on this game, but over, just on the season as well, he's just slotted in and just does his job every game. He just looks calm and I think it's it's quite telling. Obviously, we signed him after you uh, snuck in and took Lavia, and it seemed like this was just kind of a stopgap squad guy. Just need need another number in. We'll just you know, however much he was, thirteen million on this guy. Uh, but yeah, he's probably first choice now, and he just. He's one of those guys. He just he's just going to put in a seven, eight out of ten every single game. Mm. And I mean, he's asked to do quite a, what I would say is quite a simple role, really. You know, in terms of not not covering tons of ground. You know, lots well, of short passing. It's simpler in the games when when Keller is playing because Keller is just asked to go long a lot of the time. So Endo's not actually picking the ball up off the goalkeeper as much as he would when Allison plays. Um, so yeah, in this game, he was probably was doing a bit less, especially on the ball. Um, but I think it's, yeah, it's probably just a, a case of we've had a manager for eight, nine years or whatever it is, and Chelsea's a fairly new project at the minute, but these players can just slot straight in and it's as if they've been playing for a number of seasons, whereas yeah. at Chelsea, you know, you brought, when you brought on Mudrick, like he's been there a year now, but he just, he looks like he doesn't, He's never played with any of those guys before. They just, just he looks like he's never played football before. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's he's he all, the, all the wrong runs, all the wrong decisions. No one seems to know which. Yeah, maybe that's more Mudrick than the system. But um, I mean, there was a moment actually. We were talking about this in our WhatsApp group earlier, where he picked up the ball and he's surrounded by four players, and it's like the easiest pass it back to the fullback you've ever seen, and he just runs straight into them like no. You know, effort to actually attempt at a skill or anything, just literally just run straight into them and loses the ball. It was, yeah, it was the give it like, oh, this is the perfect guy to bring on an extra time against tired legs. Matt, it should be. Yeah, I mean, it but it's just no, no threat whatsoever. Just... Well, like, well, think... I think the problem, the problem Mudrick found was no one could pass him the ball. All the balls that were played through were over here. But that's the point I was making. They just, they just look like they don't know where each other are going to be. Yeah, think- that's what I touched on at the beginning with Poch. I think it, seven months in, it is a little bit like that. The play, it all just seems to be a bit disjointed, and I think I mean, certainly people come on. They're playing two better. different positions a lot of the time. And Kunku comes on left wing. 
that he's playing centre forward. You know, Gallagher started at six, now he's playing a ten. Um Madueke and Madrick have been completely iced all season, um, basically, and then they're expected to come on in a cup final. Does he really think they're going to be playing out of their skin? Does it look like they're playing out of their skin for the manager? Gallagher's been in contract talks all summer. He's been touted to be sold in both windows. When he misses that chance, has he got his head in the ground? Is he thinking, God, am I not ever going to get this contract? Is that me out the door? Like, I don't know, like the whole I don't thing. know about the, the iced comment. I think both Madweka and Mudrick have over a thousand minutes this season. I don't think that's being, being iced, is it? They're, they're not first choice players for us. I don't it's know what the last time they finished 90 minutes or played two games in a row. It's really hard for them when they when they come in. Like, because like, I mean, I, I've played like wide forward in, in, in my time, and it and just to draw a parallel, it is it is hard when. They're they're clearly like a little bit out of favour, so they must be so clouded when they get on the ball because they they they're thinking, you know, on the one hand they they don't want to put a foot out of place, so maybe maybe they will play within themselves, and on the other hand they need to try and impress a bit and do something, make something happen. So they you hear a lot of the pros often talk about it, like you need to be able to think with like clarity and think clearly, and I doubt either of them can at all. They must be so clouded in their mind when they when they receive the ball and what to do with it especially because of the fact of yeah you don't you don't really seem to have too many clear patterns of play so it must be really difficult for them and it certainly looks like that when when they do get minutes they don't yeah they don't look like they're playing naturally yeah i think i just think chris when you obviously you've talked a few times now i've been critical about you know posh and different moments even the posh menzo not finding sterling that's on posh as well do you not think you're making a few too many excuses for some of these players? No, I think the players are actually quite good. I think they massively could be performing a lot better this season. I think the, a lot of the squad get misprofiled quite a bit. And I think it'd be nice to watch people play with a bit more free spirit. Like I watched Gallagher play for Crystal Palace. I mean, he looks like he's stuttering about half the time at Chelsea. Um, I think Enzo, you know, yesterday, did he look like a free spirit? Making mistakes left, right and centre. It just I think too seems... much of a free spirit, actually, at Enzo. He's, he tried a lot of fancy stuff, to be honest. Yeah, but, you know, he they're not concentrating. You know, that back heel is a good example of are they are they 100% concentrated on being a team and scoring a goal? Like, when Enzo's got two players in front of him and he's trying a back heel, it just doesn't say to me that these guys are working as a team and really trying their best to score a goal. And, like, it just feels like they're all kind of like out for themselves and... I think that comes back to leadership. Do you reckon if Enzo's think... playing for Argentina there, do you reckon he's teeing it up for Messi? Or do you exactly he's... right, yeah. Um, just to go back to your original warming up, I think, yeah, that Endo and McAllister were both really good and both showed their experience, actually, in this game. Obviously, Endo's 31 and uh, McAllister, I think's 25, is he? Something like that. And um, I, th- I think, you know, they they sort of, were a calming influence on the team in possession, which was really valuable for Liverpool because they held the ball a lot in our half. And that, you know, obviously didn't create a massive amount of chances, but I think that, that calming influence was a, was a big factor in the game for sure, especially in uh, extra time with, with Endo. Endo played 120 minutes as well. And he wears yeah. the number three shirt. Why's that? I'm not having that, by the way, yeah. Endo. Bizarre. Oh, sorry. Sorry, like Steve Sidwell, number nine. It's Boularoos, yeah. Actually, the nine shirt is, but that's brutal. Yeah, midfield. 
<laughs> we we actually probably have yeah. never seen nine centre back apart from Bularoos. Have you ever seen anyone else wear nine? A centre back? Nah, surely not. Oh, probably like Dion Dion Dublin or Chris Sutton when they used to, and Gary Doherty when they used to do a bit of centre back striker. That's why I think you can crit- start criticising the manager when the player signs in the summer and says at centre back I want to wear nine and you don't say no. What number is... was uh, Rui Patricio for Wolves, the keeper? Ooh. Ten or <sighs> that is brutal. Ten. Eleven, maybe. <laughs> is a is an outfield player allowed to have number one? I don't think they are actually. I think that is actually a rule. Uh, um, but I think I think Endo's a good good clock player. He's our worker, isn't he? So go uh, yeah. go and I think that Lavia would be actually incredible for that role, assuming he ever gets fit in that Liverpool team. He would be perfect for that for that role. I keep thinking when the season every every week that goes on, I'm like I'm really glad Liverpool didn't get Caicedo and Lavia because they just be storming it. <laughs> I wonder if anyone ever feels like that about Chelsea. Um, right, who have we got as warming up for Chelsea? Um, I, I don't really have a warming up for, for Chelsea. I, I, you know, it's really hard to find anyone specifically that didn't have good moments in the game, but also didn't have really bad ones. Um, I think that could be said. You know, certain players had good, good moments in the game. I thought, like Caicedo had really good moments. I'd say but then obviously missed two incredible chances which probably end up costing us the game um, I think Colwell had some good moments but also some bad moments I don't know yeah warming up's really really hard hard to find did, did you have one? Well, I had a little shout out I wanted to give um, not warming up because I don't think this player's particularly good but um, I really liked how much Endeavour and Chelsea do have a lot of spirited performances uh, this season which we tend to either draw or lose but um, I thought Nicholas Jackson made uh, Canate and Van Dyke's life not super difficult, but I think he tried really hard and he didn't do anything particularly wrong in the game, Jackson. Um, but I quite liked his endeavour and he was trying to ruffle a few feathers. And I think he, at one point he got the better of Van Dyke on the far side. But um, yeah, he, he was put through in some good moments, but unfortunately for him, he just I don't think he lacks, he lacks a bit of the quality. But I think uh, we kept, kept launching the ball up to him, which obviously was you know part of our mixed build-up play. We weren't always going to play the ball out, which is fine. I'm absolutely fine with playing mixed like that. But the having the Jackson... Part, the, as, the pass as for the goal, goal, I think, if it accounted, was a really, really great ball. Like, it was literally perfect. Yeah. Like, very difficult to miss for Sterling. Like, And he was, like, pretty much neck and neck with Gomez. So, um, I think it was Gomez one at the time. So... Yeah. It's very similar to the goal we scored against City, you know, the same sort of... Yeah, thing. so, you know, good spirited effort, but um, didn't, didn't mean much in the end. I, I just want to talk about uh, Canate, actually, with you guys, because I thought he had a really good game, Canate. I'm surprised that he didn't get mentioned, at least in, in warming up, but what, what do you guys think of him? Because he's sort of had a, a bit of a slower start, maybe, to his Liverpool career, but I think he's starting to really kick on now. And one thing you've noticed from him, he's really pacey. And that sort of makes up for a lot of the stuff that he maybe gets wrong. Sort of in the same way that, you know, Carl Walker does a bit of stuff sometimes. And you're like, you know, you know oh, he's messed it up and then he, he manages to sort of recover. Like, how, how do you feel he's developed? He's only 24. I think that's, well, what you've just said kind of describes why I didn't, wouldn't have put him in warming up for Sunday's game. He, 
he has a lot of good highlights because he's sprinting back and making good recoveries, but a lot of the time there are his own errors. So he got right, he yeah. got spun on the halfway line, getting too tight a number of times, and then got back in well. And like, yeah, that is one of the best parts of his game. He's big and strong. And in the last, well, this season, he's he's come on a lot more on the ball as well. So yeah, I think I think he's great. And the, obviously the partnership's really good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he had a slow start because he was he was young, and Matip and Van Dijk had a good partnership at the time. So we were using Kanate in the in the European games and the cup games, and uh, obviously Matip got injured again at some point, like he always does. And Kanate took his chance well. And it's nice to be able to slowly phase in these young centre backs, isn't it? Supposed to just chucking in twenty year old Levi Colwell in uh, yeah, playing every game. I'm... Well, yeah, it's it can it can go both ways. Obviously, mixing up your defensive central defensive partnerships. Obviously, being alongside someone like Van Dijk is going to help a lot. Yeah, any young player. But I guess that's what Chelsea were hoping. The same thing from uh, Thiago Silva, but hasn't really worked out. Maybe uh, Thiago a little Silva bit of a yeah. Maybe uh, ten years ago, might have been off, off yeah. the field. No, obviously, like player wise, yeah, he knows it all, but. He doesn't speak much English, and he's probably not that bothered about, no. you know, passing on his knowledge. And his... completely different personalities off yeah. the pitch. I think Van Dijk exactly, and yeah. Silva. Um, what, what do you think of Kanate, Jamie? I really like him. I think he, yeah, he still he still has like a few um, leaks in his game, but he is, as we say, he is pretty young. Like especially for. A, for a centre back, but he's um yeah I, I'm I'm always pretty happy when I see his name uh, on the team sheet, especially because he's playing he's playing alongside Van Dijk as well, so you have that experience and now it's next to him, so yeah, I'm happy. Do we have anyone for boiling hot? Is that the set the Liverpool guys right? I assume you don't have one. Sorry, are you talking to me? Yeah, I don't have. Well, a, just, it's just a general one, but yeah, I, I, I can't. I don't have a boiling on. I didn't even get warming up fairly. So, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, the thing is, like, I I struggled with freezing as well a bit. You know, I I actually think, you know, apart from Sterling, no one really had a, a shocking game. No one had a bad game for us. But also in the same way, no one really had a good game either. So, so that's a tough, tough one. I think it's just standard, though, isn't it? Um, yeah. Anyone on the Liverpool side? Surely there's one. Virgil <laughs> there's Van one Dijk. obvious one. <laughs> Glaring. <laughs> Virgil van Dijk and Jurgen Klopp. And Jamie Carragher and Jamie Redknapp. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> Sky Sports and Liverpool. <laughs> what a combo. Yeah, Van Van Dijk, like, obviously just... I think... <laughs> I'm not actually saying this to wind you up, but Carragher did actually say in commentary that he was colossal at, at both ends of the pitch, which he was. Like he was, he was obviously, yeah, colossal at the back. Like especially as the game went on, and you know, got more and more kids on the pitch and stuff. Like he's just, you know, the general at the back. He was the best player on the pitch by like a mile. You know, it's like yeah. so obvious. Yeah, yeah, and then he he pop, pops up with the goal as well, um, which and also he obviously had that one disallowed, which. We haven't, we yeah, haven't let's, let's talk about the can we we talk about Liverpool's yeah. disallowed goal. I just want to talk about the sort of overall set pieces at the moment and what's happening with them 
in the Premier League because it's been, a, to be honest, it's about time people started taking set pieces a lot more seriously. And obviously we've seen a lot of this sort of blocking and offside stuff coming in now where players are standing offside and sort of creating a barrier. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on where set pieces are going? And Did you think that was a foul as well? Definitely. Definitely no. offside. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't think so. I mean... Well, do you, do you want it to be offside, is, I guess? Is like, he, inter- I is he interfering with play, no. in your opinion? No, and I think it's a real grey area to try and <laughs> decide where someone's going to be when the ball goes into the... I think just in general, obviously, Levi Cobble's probably our best header of the ball. If you're going to use Endo to stand in front of him and, and sort of block him getting back towards goal and play the ball over the top, that's obviously a massive disadvantage for us if that's allowed. If you right, can just okay. oh, yeah, it is, Well, yeah, it is interfering in... And obviously Endo's useless in those situations, right? So they found a way of using him. I think it's really sharp from Liverpool, by the way. And I think, obviously, one of the things that you notice this season is Liverpool and Arsenal, for set pieces, are like miles and miles ahead of everyone else. Even City, they're like streaks ahead. Even with the throw-ins, Liverpool and Arsenal both do incredible stuff with throw-ins in the last third. Um, and it's like I said, it's been a long time coming you know, using these moments as, as real attacking opportunities. And obviously super sharp to use a really short player that is pretty useless from set pieces in endo to block off probably our best header of the ball but i think it was really and and by the way var could not have given this and i've been really disappointed if they didn't but i was really happy that they actually picked up on this and it's something that um they they had a guy on that was talking about officiating on before the palace monday night football a few weeks ago and he was saying that they're looking heavily at set pieces and everything people are doing with set pieces and i think this is probably an emphasis from them to stop offside players interfering with uh, with the action and what's going on in the in the game, and I hope they make this clear to the clubs as well, because obviously, you know, we're going to see more and more stuff with set pieces um, as, as we go forward. And even City last week were using sort of Haaland as a blocker um, on Chilwell when they were doing their far post crosses and and stuff. It obviously ended up working out um, for the goal with them as well, where they sort of blocked Chilwell off at the back post. Um, and this sort of screening that you see in basketball and has been like prevalent in NBA for a long time is sort of translating into football right now. And it's just, I, I find it really interesting and, and all this stuff. And definitely there's, I can definitely understand both sides of the, the coin for seeing that given as a foul and not given as a foul. Well, I think, yeah, I think Carragher said in commentary that like it just, it just happens all the time, that particular endo incident. And like, what, I didn't actually see what was the Chelsea players' reaction. Like, did did they expect? Well, Colwell didn't to go... react massively at the time, uh, you, as in when he was originally blocked. But as soon as they scored, he was straight to the referee. Colwell. He was right. the first thing he said was was straight over to the ref, saying, "Look, he's he's blocked me from from tracking Van Dyke." Well, to and be fair, then that that does make me think. Oh well, okay, maybe it was. A correct decision to be ruled out then because obviously a lot a lot of jostling and stuff goes on in set pieces but you know yeah if it had been but that was obviously really a set, that was a set play right that was something that yeah. they've worked on doing yeah so i guess yeah that is that is fair enough then i thought he was given offside but i you know when you're watching it, it was, live it you know yeah i thought yeah but he was he was given it because he, he interfered with the game i thought they just gave it because he was standing offside but when you see that when i watched the replay afterwards and he's Clearly running into Colwell or waiting for him and put holding him back. So yeah, well, he's like, facing the the other thing that obviously doesn't bode well. In his yeah, he's face, not facing he's the facing, goal, is he? 
the, the wrong way, isn't he? Like he's looking straight at Colwell to make sure that he stands in his way. Yeah, he didn't do it very clever. Like he didn't. I don't even need to be offside to do that. He could have just done it anyway. I think if he faces forward and and doesn't look at Colwell, but like looks at him when the ball's been kicked, but then turns around, I think mm. they probably wouldn't have given it. Yeah, um, it was a bit yeah. obvious, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Tell us about this. It's the end of an era this season with Klopp, which I think we're all thankful for outside <laughs> of Liverpool. Um, but obviously, what are your thoughts? Obviously, you put him as boiling heart as well. Well, yeah, like I think, obviously, yeah, it's, it's winding down. And I think with with rival fans, I think Klopp's stock has actually has definitely fallen in recent years. I think people get, you know, Supporters of other clubs seem to be getting more disgruntled by him because he's, you know, he's a little bit more comes across a little bit more whingy and stuff in the press, I suppose. But I think, you know, once once he does leave and the fanfare's over and stuff, he, he I think he will be looked back on pretty fondly by by all supporters. Really, um, I think this it's just there was definitely an extra element of emotion on this uh, on the title on this cup win like you could see it full time i definitely felt it like seeing like i was just kind of watching Klopp really during the celebrations and i couldn't wait to like see him interviewed etc just to like see what he had to say um yes but <laughs> i do agree with what you said earlier that i i get annoyed when there's when it's constant fanfare about something and like you know you know when you know when like a an ex-footballer you know, an ex-footballer passes away and then there's like just just weeks and weeks of just like the same footage over and over again. I'm sure, yeah. It's going to be like that with Klopp. You're just going to, it's just going to be non-stop. But yeah, I think... The, the Wenger and Ferguson one was bad as well. Well, yeah, that, that's exactly... The Ferguson is exactly who I had in mind. Like just, just constant, just like radio shows with ex-players like being on the line just saying how brilliant Ferguson was over and over again I'm like this is really tenuous ex-players as well someone who played like nine games in Ferguson's first season coming on to say his bit yeah Brian McClare actually that's harsh Brian McClare's good what what do we what do we say about this we can we can touch on since we've sort of finished with the temperatures touch on the title race and the situation you've, you've kind of come across there where I I don't know if you expect to be in the title race at this point, but you're certainly pole position. Um, yeah, well, I think I said in the preseason pod, I definitely didn't expect us to mount a challenger season, and to be honest, I kind of didn't wasn't really believing in it until maybe just before Christmas. Like I felt like we got lucky in the early stage of the season in a lot of games, while there was still you know, a lot of new players. We had um, the Newcastle game was really lucky. Um, I can't remember another one. Palace, maybe. Scraping a lot of wins anyway with, you know, when we didn't play very well. It didn't create much. Um, but yeah, obviously we're top now and we're playing as better than we have all season. A lot of injuries now and some couple of big games coming up. So I, st- I still don't think we're favourites, but... Um, yeah, who knows? You, you, like, the game's going to be huge. If you had to guess right now, um, your, your final top three 38 games done, what, what are you going for? Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal. 
Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say as well. Really? I, I just, I've got a feeling Arsenal are going to do it. I, d- I just don't know yeah. why. Yeah, they are playing great right now. I just think they're, they're incredibly dominant in games as well. You know, you, you're looking for teams to slip up in some of these, like, uh, get the, the games against... Like, Newcastle at home was a classic game where they could turn up and, and lose Arsenal in a, in a different season, but they were so, so... Not up, up for it's the wrong word, but they're on... They're so tuned in to, to everything in the game. They're on, you know, they're, they're on top you of everything. Garbage at the minute. Yeah, they are. But I, I just, you know, I feel like at the moment. No, this is exactly yeah. where Arsenal were last season, though. Like, they were yeah, but I, I don't think they were playing, playing as well as yeah. this. I, no, I think they were playing as well. But obviously, they bottled it. Do you think they learned from that and they won't make the same mistakes? I, th- I think the word, I just, I just think the expression bottled it in. A lot of situations is not correctly, but I don't yeah, think Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, look it. I think they. I thought Arsenal ran out of steam a bit at the end of the season last season, and look, that might that might happen again. But I just think that the desire in that, that club right now to to win it is, you know, beyond belief. And uh, yeah, I think Arteta does a really good job of of getting them up for every game. And yeah, I don't know. I just I I really hope they don't. I would out of everyone that's in the title race, I think they're. I would like them to win at the least, but um, yeah, I, I do feel like they might. I think they're a goal scorer short Arsenal potentially, even against Newcastle. A couple of the goals very dubious. A couple of potential. One of them was definitely an own goal. The other one looked like it could have been, and the other one should have been cleared off the line. And they, they signed I, a goal scorer for seventy million from you. Yeah, <laughs> I I think Arsenal defensively are actually much better year on year, but I think. Goals is what I think wins the league. Um, I think the defences are quite comparable. And I think City and Liverpool just have more goals in them up front. And I think they'll be challenging. And I think Arsenal will fall short. They're having a good period now. I think they've got some favourable fixtures. But Are you going um, with City as well, Chris? Yeah. I mean, even like tonight, like Newcastle drawing away at Blackburn. Like, I just don't... I think it just wasn't... It was a good game for them. And I think, yeah, City for me... Are probably still just going to nick it at the end. I think they just got all their players back at the right time, and I also think there's like a massive psychology with how the season goes. And even now, like people are saying, like City are going to come good and they're just going to win loads of games. And I think that's just in their culture now. Like they just do it every year, and like it's who they are. So oh, it's um, ridiculous. They will literally. Yeah. How many game? How many games are left? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. They'll they'll win. They'll win at least ten of them. Yeah. They'll mm. probably they'll probably win ten, draw one, lose one, or something. I think if you, yeah, I think if you win it, basically you've you've got to win out. You, you know, I think yeah. that's basically what you've got, you've got to well, do. Well, City, you've got to play Arsenal at home. I think the Liverpool game is obviously going to be the big the big test um, in in early March. I think Liverpool's injuries have, have written them off. I think I think without I think without the injuries, and it's not just about the first team. I, I think the first team probably is still strong. You probably get Salah. Nunes and uh, Zobosly back soon, but uh, it's the depth that will kill you because you you've got the Champions League as or sorry the Europa League as well, and um, you know I I just think it's it, it, the the squad's not there for Liverpool unfortunately. But you never know with injuries, do you? What could happen to City and Arsenal? It's going to be interesting. I think the bookies have got City as fairly good favourites, Liverpool second, and Arsenal behind. So we've. We're in line with that, I think. Apart from Craig, who's gone for the outsider. I, got, I, I think Arsenal might do, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be happy as long as 
we we can stay in it until we kind of get the majority of our players back and you know and then i feel like we've had a fair crack at it so you know if we're still in it with no we have we haven't fallen behind over the next three or four games and then you know if we're level pegging and we've got kind of the majority of our squad good to go then yeah it's just kind of whoever wins it wins it from that point we we play city and then arsenal play city like two weeks after so yeah if city win both those games and just put a couple of wins together and it's get a bit of a gap it'll feel a bit of an anticlimax because this, this could be an unbelievable title race so yeah hopefully we'll stay in it well what looks like a more impressive title race is what's happening in the uh, fpl we'll finish on that which is <laughs> fat pigs and uh <laughs> storming ahead 65 points I was hoping someone would bring that up. I did. I wrote it on my we don't notes, have time though. to talk about this, surely, do we? Run out of time. No, 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 yeah, we'll make time. <laughs> Greg, you look yeah. like you're stuck in the mudrick. Yeah. I'm plodding along right now. I've got a few little differentials planned. I'm just plodding along, trying to keep in touch for now. In fact, yeah, I'm, when when people when when the when this podcast goes out and, and you introduce me, all your listeners are going to go. Oh, that's uh, the Fab Pigs. Top of the, <laughs> top of the USCR FBL League. Yeah, they might do. <laughs> well, we, we can witness the fitness as well. And the fitness of Jared Bowen looks like it's done some wonders. Um, all right this, this week. week. Yeah, I'm climbing. Yeah. All on the way back. Bad start. Oh, you've got Bowen. Yeah, Bowen. 20 points, yeah. yeah he bring him in? like 13 games or something. At least. Can, you bring, can you bring him in this week? Yeah, should have chatted to Jack about transfers this week. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, I was annoyed at myself because, like Bowen's, I love players like Bowen. Just like I I always say this, I like people who are the talisman for like middle of the road teams. Yeah, Bowen fits that bill. But like everyone, the trendy thing was to get Huang, so I went Huang. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get. Gonna don't don't want to bore people too much with FPL stuff, but obviously when you're nearer the top, sometimes you just kind of nullify what the popular pick is. You don't want to get you don't want to get hurt by someone. So I didn't. So I blocked Wang, but then again, there's Bowen hurting me instead. Sorry, Miss Jackson. Sorry, Nick Jackson went for the old free hit. Yeah, to get a free hit, it was uh, trouble at the old mill. Unconventional. I got some. Alex Moreno with a minus one. Thanks for that, free mate. Hit free hit, and he had four people who, who didn't even have a fixture. Yeah. Wait, what does free hit gives you? Free transfers, doesn't it? Yeah, but yeah. Well, you... Only for a week. Yeah, maybe I don't understand. Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Do you get idea. points on the bench as well? Dear no. Idea. Well, wouldn't have mattered. All your people got none anyways. It wouldn't have mattered, no. No. Well, I just put in all the people who were, who were actually going to play, which I assume was the point. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it did work out, but I suppose a lot of them just didn't get many points. Well, De Bruyne got zero points. <laughs> Thanks for that, Kev. So he's got, got what, four, four assists, assists tonight? tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Harlan, not getting four goals. Yeah. You're really desperate for a Chelsea guy you put Fafana in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was doing all right there for a bit, wasn't he? I mean... <laughs> Scored, you might see him appearing in one of our draft league teams actually soon, Didi Fofana. At least Wissa came on and got me a goal. 
Nice. Um, right. Well, look, guys. Um, hopefully, um, we don't meet again in a cup final because <laughs> it's becoming quite tedious. These uh, these losses. I think we've lost six cup finals in a row domestically. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which is a, a record that um, unfortunately we don't want to continue. Uh, we'd like to get a win. So, but congratulations to Liverpool and um, well done on, on winning the cup for Klopp and Sky. Um, but that's all we've got time for today. Uh, thanks very much for, for for joining the pod and Craig as well. Coming. No worries. Thank you. We will be back on ESCR. Um, we've got a, a lovely home fixture against Leeds um, to look forward to tomorrow. So we'll be back for a review of that. Um, but for more updates on all things ESCR, you can follow us on X at Eat Sleep Chelsea and Instagram at Eat Sleep Chelsea Repeat. And as always, we hope you're carefree wherever you may be. And thanks for listening.